Good morning, beloved. It is wonderful to be here with you today. It is wonderful um, for this privilege to stand before you and proclaim the word of God. If you would stand to your feet once more um, for the hearing of the word of God, we are going to be in the book of Haggai. Haggai. Old Testament book. If you need assistance navigating to Haggai, you can find the book of Matthew and go backwards into the Old Testament. Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai. When you found it, just let me know by saying amen or waving a hand. Amen. We're going to be reading the entire first chapter of Haggai. And I'll be reading out of the NIV version this morning. Haggai 1, verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Verse 6, you have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. Put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Verse 8. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What brought you home, what you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I have called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine, the olive oil and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord 
Verse 13, then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the people of the Lord. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Jerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Come by here, O oh God. Let your spirit pour out on us this day. Speak through me, O oh God, only you and all of you, none of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, you are our strength and our redeemer, our strong tower, our guide. In the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, may we together say, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. That was a longer reading. Thanks for bearing with me. I want to preach today from the sermonic title, It's Time to Get Back to Work. It's time to get back to work. You all pray for me. So earlier last week, when I was praying for a sermonic text, the Spirit of God whispered, hey, guy. And I was like, oh, no, hey, guy. I said, Lord, who, who preaches out of hey, guy? When was the last time I recall somebody preaching out of hey, guy? You know, um, I'm quite familiar with Haggai. God has returned me to Haggai on numerous occasions on my call journey into the ministry. Well, not just Haggai, you know, Jonah. I've been in the book of Jonah. <laughs> Amen. Haggai, <laughs> the call narrative of Moses. We've sat in all of those texts, uh, the Lord and I, but the Lord has set a stool down in the text of Haggai and invited me to take a seat. So when the whisper of the Spirit of God said, Haggai, um, I was frustrated with that reply. I said, Lord, why can't I preach out of 1 Samuel? You know, preach on, preach on Hannah's fervent prayer. You know, we just taught about patience. You know, that's, that's an easier sermon, Lord. Silence. Okay, Lord, not Hannah. Maybe a song, maybe a song. I can preach a song. Uh, you know, glory to God, sing praises to your name. That's an easier sermon, Lord. Silence. So I asked, okay, God, what would you like for me to preach? And God again said, hey, guy. Hey, guy. Hey, guy. This morning on my way in, I was listening to a sermon. Um, by the Reverend Dr. Frank A. Thomas. And the sermon is entitled, You Never Know What Will Be Required. You never know what will be required. In your downtime, pastime, or free time, I encourage you to listen to that message by Frank A. Thomas. Um, but the essence drew me back to the message of Haggai. Um, 
Over three years ago, I received the call into ministry and I wrestled with that call. I did. Um, the call has required me to leave some people behind, leave some cities, leave some places behind, leave a career behind, leave some of life comforts behind, leave some lifestyles, some benefits, all, some, all, all of these things I have left behind. Um, as I respond and wrestle with this call to ministry, as I try to walk with God along this journey. But God has returned me to this text many times to catalyze my action and to press me into God's service. So my charge today, my divine assignment, is to share with you some of the insights that have come to me over time and that came to me during this, these past few days as I was preparing for this sermon. So today, briefly, after I give us some historical context, I wanna share with you four points or four insights from the book of Haggai. And then I'll be out of your way. Is that all right? All right, amen. So Haggai provides the book of Haggai provides no real information about the prophet, about the figure in the text whose name it bears. So not much on the writer, but very detailed information about the time in which the book was written, about the time of Haggai's work. And so the book of Haggai was written two years after the reign of King Darius. In August, of 520 BCE, August 29th to be exact, 520 BCE. And so Haggai's prophecy comes some 67 years after the first temple was destroyed in 586 and 587 BCE. So some decades have passed. So when God sent Haggai to Jerusalem to stir up the people, to rebuild the temple, the temple still lay in ruins. The original decision to rebuild the temple was put forth by a Persian king, Cyrus. Right? Cyrus was appointed by God to issue a decree to allow the people of God to travel back to Jerusalem with resources to rebuild the temple. So King Cyrus issues this mandate about 50 years after the destruction of the temple. You can check out Ezra 1 for more information on that. And so Haggai's prophetic work begins in 520 because what happened is some 50,000 uh, Jews traveled back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and they got started, but then the work stalled. The work stalled. So God sends Haggai, okay? So let's hold that frame and let's get into this word this morning. So back to our text in chapter one, verses one through seven, um, you know, give us the backdrop of the story here about what's going on. Things don't seem to be going well for God's people when Haggai arrives on the scene, right? They working, but money falling through the pockets and the purses, right? <laughs> they're eating, but they're not full, Right? They're putting on clothes, not warm. Th things are not going particularly well for the people. And then in verse 8, God issues a divine directive, instruction for the people through the mouth of Haggai. All right, so let's get into our first point in the text. God is calling us 
to genuine reflection and timely rebuilding. God is calling us to genuine reflection and timely rebuilding. Let's look at verse four in our text. So in chapter one, out the gate, God starts off by asking some hard questions. Through the mouth of Haggai, verse four, God asks, is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while the Lord's house lies in ruins? Mm. Someone say, that's a, t- that's a tough question. That's a tough question. Metaphorically, the phrase paneled houses can mean a variety, of, a variety of things in addition to maybe a comfortable or a luxurious home, right? So in our contemporary context, a paneled house can be um, us seeking after certain earthly pursuits or pleasures, things that we hold dear in this earthly life. It can be a job, it can be a career, it can be a social life, it can be a certain posture in society. Some of them things that I said I had to give up, right? <laughs> and, so, and so we can get um, very focused on our paneled houses, right? To the detriment of the house of God. And so the dual meaning of the word house in this text, we're going to hold that tension. God's house versus our paneled houses. So we're going to stay right there in that tension. We're going to stay right there in that tension, all right? So God asks, is it a time for you to live in your paneled houses while the house of God lies in ruins? Mercy. That was a tough question for me over the past three years. Tough question. But recall that God has both a pattern and a practice of asking his people tough questions. Can I name a few? Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. God asked Adam and Eve, where are you? And how do you know you are unclothed? Right? God asked Cain, where is your brother Abel? Mm. That's a tough question. God asked hard questions of Abraham. God asked hard questions of Job. You know my favorite book. God asked hard questions of Jonah. Mm. You knew a see, Pastor knew, coming back to Jonah. <laughs> asked hard questions of Jonah. Why are you upset? God asked Jonah. In fact, the book of Jonah ends on a tough question. The book of Jonah ends on a question. God asked Jonah, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh and all of its people and all of its animals for us pet lovers out there? So in our text, God, true to his pattern and practice, asks a hard question in verse four. Is it time for us to live in our paneled houses? Is this the time for us to be pursuing our own agendas? Is this the time to be lifting ourselves up in life? Mm. While God's house needs attending. Mm. Let's move on to verse five, verse five, verse five. God warns in verse five, give careful thought to your ways. Now look at that phrase, give careful thought. That phrase appears five times in the book of Haggai, five times. Give careful thought. In chapter one, it appears in verse five and in verse seven, but it's attached to our ways in chapter one. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. Verse six, God delineates a set of difficult circumstances cyclical circumstances we may find ourselves in and warns us 
that we should be genuinely reflecting on our ways, on our priorities. So with these early verses in Haggai, God is calling us to reflection, but also to timely obedience, to timely obedience. God is calling us to do more, not just to give God a corner of our lives, a finite corner, but to give all of ourselves to God. So let's lean in here for just a moment. Let's just lean in for a moment. First, God is calling us to reflection. Give careful thought to your ways. And oftentimes, when I hear the call of God, I offer God what I call um, a deferred yes. When I get the job, when I get settled on the job, when I get the promotion, mm, when I make partner, when I'm done school, Lord, when I get my family, mercy, when I'm settled, then I'll do it. Then I'll come serve. Then I'll show up. Then I'll give you all of me. We offer God a deferred yes. Secondly, we can offer God a conditional yes. If things calm down in my life, Lord, then I'll serve you. If I get some more rest, Lord, then I'll serve you. But God is asking us to give careful attention to our priorities now and to reprioritize our lives so that God is indeed first. Mm, that's a tough word. That's a tough word. Secondly, notice God's call is not only to reflect, but to obey, to rebuild. Notice in the text, 23 days have passed since the beginning of chapter 1, when, when the word first comes forth from Haggai's mouth, to the end of chapter 1. Only 23 days. 23 days. So the people's response time is relatively quick. You're talking about tens of thousands of people. It took 23 days for them to hear the word, receive it, pray, reflect, convene, discuss, ready themselves, and then begin for a major rebuilding project. 23 days. Today is the 23rd. Amen. They obey the call of God to rebuild, and their action, their obedience is timely. Beloved, it's time to get back to work. That was point one. That was the hard one. Say that was, that was the hard one. Now we got three points of encouragement. Amen? I promised you four points. Moving on. Second point, God will encourage us by God's covenantal promise. God will encourage us by God's covenantal promise. Let's take a look at um, verse 13. I'll get there in one second. Not only is God calling us back to work, right? calling us to reflect and to rebuild, but God is here with some good news that God is here to encourage. God will encourage us. So Haggai, whom God sends to the people, reminds the people that God is here to encourage. Let's look at verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the Lord's people. I am with you, declares the Lord. I am with you declares the Lord. 
God says the same thing to Moses. God says, I am who I am, and I will go with you. My presence will go with you. And so I came by today just to proclaim that family God is with us. That is a covenantal promise from Abraham to Moses. It was proclaimed by Isaiah, Jeremiah, Haggai, and the Lord sent me by here today just to remind us that God is with us. This covenantal promise is not a new one. We can stand on this promise from God. We can stand firm on this promise of God. Yet, yet, if you're like me, some of us, at times, have our eyes stayed on our rearview mirrors. Mm, mercy. We are accustomed to looking back at what happened in the past. We're looking backwards. But family, when we look backwards, we have no vision of what God's what lies before us. When we look backwards, we can't see what God has for us. When we look backwards, we can't see the path that God is making clear. We keep looking back. We keep recalling what hindered us. We keep recalling what stopped us. What stopped the work? And we're stuck in these cyclical cycles of doubting looking back and doubting what God has promised before us. We doubt, and our doubts and our fears stop the work of our hands. Mm. Jesus says in Mark 11, have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt at all in her heart, but believes what she says will take place. It will be done for her. This verse invites us to address the mountains in our lives by faith. Speak to the mountain by faith and believe it, and it will be done for you. So God is reminding us through the prophet Haggai, I am with you. Encourage us, O Lord. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight. And God will encourage us by God's presence. And we can stand firm on that promise. With the promise of God's presence, help me say it, it's time to get back to work. Amen. Amen. Next point, number three. God will help us through the presence and activity of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 14, very next verse. I'm going to read it shorthand. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, governor, and Joshua, high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and they began the work on the house of the Almighty God. So notice two things here. Number one, first, I'm writing your Bible, the Holy Spirit helps them achieve what God has called them to do. It says God stirred up the spirit of not only the leaders, but God also stirred up the spirit of the remnant, the whole remnant, right? And so the word of God says they came in the NIV. Aaliyah's translation. They came together. They came on one accord. 
They came unified. They came united. They came as one body. And then the work started. Amen? So God stirs up the spirit of the leadership, and then God stirs up the spirit of the entire remnant, and then they came together as one body, and then the work began. Amen? Some would say divine order. Divine order. Divine order. Amen. Second thing, implicit in this verse, if you sit in it for a second, implicit in this verse is the notion that the work is too much for them to do on their own. Too much for them to accomplish by themselves, right? They need the power of the Holy Spirit. So God stirred up the Holy Spirit, right? And then they began the work. And so, beloved, I submit to you that God might be calling us to a greater work for the kingdom, by the power of the spirit within us. That's a hard word, I know that's a hard word, that God might be requiring something more than what you're already giving, requiring something more than what you're already doing, requiring something more of us as a collective body. We feel like, Lord, we already, do, we are, we already doing some things, Lord, we already doing some stuff. I'm already doing some stuff, Lord. But here it is, leaning right here. If you are comfortable with what you're currently doing for the kingdom of God, then the spirit of God might be calling you to something greater. Mm. If you're comfortable doing what you're currently doing for the kingdom, then God might be calling you to a higher plane. Mm. Just, gonna let, just gonna let that sit. So for me in my life, I was serving in the church before I got the call to go to seminary. I was doing some things within my wheelhouse, you know? <laughs> I was doing some things. <laughs> but then I got the call. Someone said, but then, but then I got the call. So after seminary, I couldn't return to the same level of service. God required something more, right? God may be calling you to do something greater for his glory and for the work of the kingdom, something that will require prayer, something that will require a personal relationship that's deeper, something that will require you to read your Bible every day, something that will require you to step outside of your comfort zone, to stretch you, to grow you, to develop you. That will be required. Mm, the Holy Spirit says sacrifice. Sacrifice. Mm, we don't like that word. Will be required. God might be calling you to something greater. I've often wondered why I was protected coming through the pandemic. Lord, you, you protected me. Why am I still here when so many millions died globally? Why am I still here? And I wonder if the people in the text, the remnant, thought the same thing after the destruction 
of the temple, right? The ruin of the city of Jerusalem. Why was I protected? Why me? Why me, God? It's a humbling question. But the whisper of God came, service, service. To do the work of God, elevated service. God is waiting on us. Our children, our communities, they're waiting on us. Let's look to our Savior and our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who said in the Gospel of Luke, to whom much is given, much is required. My mother used, hi mom, she's watching. My mother, love you. Uh, My mother used to say that to me as a child, to whom much is given much is required. And I didn't even know it was in the Bible till later. (laughs) I just thought it was something my mother was, you know, your parents say things. But what I discovered it was in the Bible, I had this whole moment. I was like, my mom was, that was another scripture she was quoting me. But anyway, to whom much is given, much is required. And our way maker, Jesus also says in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. Mm. Not my will, but thine be done. Psalm 143, the psalmist David writes, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Make your good spirit, may your good spirit lead me on level ground. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. So by the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit, may we be like a feather on the breath of God, sensitive to God's every breath, responsive to God's every whim. With the help of the Holy Spirit, one more time, it is time to get back to work. Final point. Number four, God will provide the resources. Let the church say amen. Amen. Turn on over to chapter two, verse eight. And the word of God says in verse eight, chapter two, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. That's enough right there. That's enough right there. We can end right there. God is saying, I know what you need, and I have it in abundance. All the silver is mine, and all of the gold is mine. And we see this as God uh, touches um, pagan kings, right, Um, to provide resources out of their treasuries and provision for the people to go back and rebuild. We see that even today. Not only is God saying, I know what you need, but I also have what you need. Silver and gold in abundance. God will provide. But what does God need from us? God needs willing hands and feet in motion, active, doing the work of God, right? In verse 8, chapter 1, so we are in 2-8 silver and gold. Now we in 1-8, right? Back in chapter 1, God says, go. First word, go. Say, say, he said the same thing to Moses, go. Activate. Get in motion. Execute. 
Go up to the mountain and bring down the timber and build up my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. We can also read this verse out of a lens of evangelism. Go up to the mountain and bring timber. Go out and draw all people unto me. Go out and invite people in to my house, drawing them in with the word of God and relevant service. With spiritual fruit, ah, love, joy, peace, patience, right? Kindness, goodness, self-control. And trust that God will provide every need. Supported by God's trusted provision, last time, can we say together, it's time to get back to work. Amen. As I close, I encourage you to go home and read the book of Haggai. It's but two chapters. And as you read it, ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate the text for you. And pray that the Spirit of God make clear for you what, what God would have you to do in this season. But notice one more thing, chapter 2, verse 19. The Word of God says, from this day on, from this day on, I will bless you. Mm. God says, I will bless you in verse 19. But wait, let me, let me better put a frame around what God really does here. So you got to back up to verse 18. Verse 18 indicates that the people had laid the foundation of the temple by this time. Three and a half months had passed. It's now December 18th. Remember, the work got started in August. It's now December 18th. Three and a half months have passed, and enormous progress was made. This people, this remnant, didn't waste any time. And the very next verse, after it says the foundation was laid, God says, I will bless you. Oh, don't let it slip by you. Don't let it slip by you. The call was to rebuild the entire temple in, in chapter one. But in chapter two, once the foundation was laid, just the foundation was laid, a significant step, yes, but not the whole temple. Once the foundation was laid, God says, I will bless you. They weren't done, but God blessed them anyway. God's grace abounds. God is waiting for us. God has called us to reflect and rebuild. God says, I will encourage you. God says, I will help you. And God says, I will provide everything that you need. In fact, I believe our CF family is already on the way. Finally, God offers glory in abundance. Chapter 2, verse 9, and I'll end right here. It says, the glory of this present house will be greater, I'm writing your Bible, than the glory of the former house. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And then God decrees peace. God says in verse 9, and in this place, in this place, I will grant you peace. To God be the glory. Great things God has done. But it's up to us now. It's time to get back to work. May we pray together. Oh Lord our God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you speak to us by your spirit. 
May this word implant deep into our hearts and may we recall it to mind when we need. Thank you, God, for your call to reflect and rebuild. Thank you, God, for your encouragement, for your help and for your provision. Guide us forward in the center of your will. In the mighty name of Jesus and by the power of your spirit, I pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Gilbert.